Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners, and welcome to this very, very special episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast because it is our one-year anniversary. Yes, we're so excited. For over 365 days, we have brought you the latest in clean energy right to your ears. We've talked about state energy policy. We've gone through the ringer of the second longest legislative session in North Carolina history. We've talked about historic documents like the Clean Energy Plan. We've had awesome guests, and it has just been so much much fun to bring you these episodes every two weeks. So as your host and creator and producer and interviewer and editor, I just have to say thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, we've had listeners from over 50 different countries in the globe all 50 states, cities all over the country. We've had over 15,000 plays. So wow. All I can say is thank you so much for joining us on this ride as we have explored so many sectors of clean energy from geothermal to wind to utility scale solar to rooftop solar to energy efficiency. We've brought on guests from the MBA to Google to Microsoft to NASA to JP Morgan to Fifth Third Bank. And today we're doing a best of episode. That's right. I have gone through the entire catalog of Squeaky Clean and I have handpicked the best selections from all of the interviews I've done and I'm so excited to share them with you today. So again, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this show. It has been so awesome to meet so many people in the North Carolina clean energy community and also leaders who are helping transition our economy to a clean energy future. And I want to give a huge shout out to NCSEA for giving me this amazing opportunity to bring you this show every two weeks. And within NCSEA, I want to give a special, special shout out to my friend Jordan Jones, who is the Manager of Communications, Engagement, and Equity at NCSEA. You don't know this, but every episode I put out, Jordan is the one to review it, and she'll actually be listening to this episode. So I want to thank Jordan for listening to all of the bloopers and the times that I mess up my edits and the things that I don't intend to be on the podcast because she is awesome and has really supported me throughout this process. So thank you, Jordan, for 
being there on day one. I remember when I approached you with this idea for a podcast and it was totally untested and we had no idea what it was going to be like, but you trusted me and I hope you still trust me, even though I'm probably going to send you this edit at two o'clock in the morning because that's just how I work in the world of work from home. So thank you, Jordan. You are one of the most compassionate people I know and it is such a pleasure working with you. And in other NCSEA news, we are continuing our Making Energy Work webinar series on July 14th, where we are partnering with environmental entrepreneurs, also known as E2, to talk about the North Carolina Clean Jobs Report, which is going to be released soon, and details the size and economic importance of the clean energy industry in North Carolina in 2019. We'll be going over top-line job numbers, we'll be digging in deeper with some of the North Carolina nuances and how this economy has grown, but we'll also be talking about clean energy as a recovery mechanism from COVID-19. If you'd like to register for that webinar, you can visit makingenergywork.com. One of the pieces of feedback that I really appreciate getting on this show is when people say that they enjoy the music on Squeaky Clean, which is awesome because I produce the music. In my spare time, I love to work with music design software, and so I've actually searched through samples and catalogs of different beats and in keyboard parts and claps and whoops and all that stuff to put together the music that you hear on Squeaky Clean. So just a side note, thought you might like to know that I actually produce the music as well. It's a very fun part of the show and I really enjoy it. Okay, so now we're gonna jump into the episode. We're doing some of the best of highlights and this first clip is from episode number one, had to start at the very beginning with General Counsel and Director of Policy to NCSEA, Peter Ledford. And here he is talking about the biggest piece of energy legislation in the 2019 long legislative session, Senate Bill 559, which was the proposal for multi-year rate plans backed by Duke Energy. We had a very broad coalition that helped oppose this bill. And in this clip, Peter is talking about the conversation that this legislation opened the door for, and that is one of utility regulatory reform. I think it's interesting that for once, NCSEA and Duke are both in agreement that the current model does not work for North Carolina's ratepayers or for its utilities. So I think this is someplace where we have different visions for the future, but we agree that the current system needs to be reformed. Duke Energy has put its vision for the future on the table, and that's multi-year rate plans. That makes sense. If you're trying to guarantee your investors some incredibly high dividends and to drive stock performance, multi-year rate plans look great for your investors, but they don't look so great for your rate payers. Given the time constraints of the current legislative session and given the enormity of the issues before us, the easiest thing to do would be to take a step back, to sit down, to discuss what would be best for all North Carolinians. And that includes the utility, the ratepayers, the clean energy industry, and anyone who has an interest in energy in North Carolina. Unfortunately, it's not clear whether that's going to happen. 
it's really interesting to listen back to this because at the time it was very unclear what was going to happen with Senate Bill 559. Duke Energy, which is a very strong lobbying force in the North Carolina General Assembly, was making this very significant proposal for multi-year rate plans and return on equity banding. And from our perspective, we weren't really sure if we were going to be able to stop this proposal. But sure enough, we did coalesce as a coalition to stop this proposal and basically do exactly what Peter had suggested and recommended, which is to come together as stakeholders and discuss utility regulatory reform options for North Carolina. And that's exactly what you're seeing in the clean energy plan with the B1 stakeholder process that Peter is actually a part of. So it's really awesome to be able to look now months into the future and see how our work has contributed to manifesting the reality that Peter was talking about where he was mentioning this idea of bringing stakeholders together and discussing options for North Carolina. That's exactly what's happening. So it's really exciting to look back on this episode and think, wow, we've really come a far way. And we were able to succeed in stopping Duke's proposal and then actually doing the work of coming together as stakeholders and discussing utility regulatory reform options for our state. One of my favorite parts of Squeaky Clean is going out into the field to conferences, meetings, and events with my field mic and interviewing people who are advancing clean energy in our state. In this clip, I was live at the ribbon cutting ceremony for Fifth Third Bank's Allender Holloman Solar Facility, which is a huge 80 megawatt project in Hertford County that is offsetting 100% of Fifth Third Bank's energy usage. That makes this a historic project in that it's the first solar project to offset 100% of a Fortune 500 company's energy usage. I was really excited to be at the ceremony where we heard from State Representative Howard Hunter, State Senator Bob Steinberg, and the Secretary of Environmental Quality, Michael Regan. In this clip, I was able to speak to the head of Fifth Third Bank about this historic clean energy achievement. I'm Greg Carmichael, Chairman, President, and CEO of Fifth Third Bank. Well, congratulations. This is a very exciting day for Fifth Third, for North Carolina, for businesses in general to see how people are reaching their 100% renewable energy commitments. How did you initially respond to the 100% renewable energy commitment and, and what were those first steps that you took? And first off, we wanted to set goals that were, that were very, very aggressive um, and it would make a difference, quite frankly, in, our, in the environment. And there's nothing more important than taking care of our environment. Um, as well as taking care of our employees and our customers. So we, we established five main sustainable goals that we put in place. One of those was to be 100% renewable energy by year 2022. And we accomplished that with this single facility this year. Um, that's extremely important, in, in reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions and so forth. So a part of our commitment was to get that done. Quite frankly, when it was brought to me, I wasn't sure how that would work, what that would actually look like. Could we actually get it done? And I got to tell you, they've exceeded all my expectations. And this facility is just amazing to see what's come out of the ground here in a very, very short amount of time and the contribution it's going to make to the energy grid um, and to our planet. So it's been fantastic. And why did Fifth Third make the commitment? Why is it important to your customers? Is it, is it important to the company? I think every corporation in America has to be responsible for not just the shareholders, okay, but the communities okay, in the environment. 
And we really believe that wholeheartedly. We were the first bank. We just moved our minimum wage from $15 to $18. We were the first bank to go from $12 to $15 now for our, our hourly employee, which is a big part of our workforce. All right? This is just another example of how we give back and how we take care of the environment. So it's very important to us. So taking care of the shores is important. Taking care of our employees is important. Taking care of the environment is important. And ultimately, taking care of our customers. Uh, we can't, it's not one-dimensional. It's multi-dimensional. And this is a part of that exercise and an important part of what we're here about. What would you say to businesses or corporations that are thinking about making 100% renewable commitments or have already done it and uh, haven't met that goal yet? You know, I would tell you, be aggressive, all right? Um, be resilient, and uh, there's going to be some challenges to get it done. Um, but when you think about the outcomes that you're going to achieve once you get it complete and the value that's going to create long-term for your corporation and the good it's going to do for the environment, I would never step back from it. I continue to move forward as fast as you can. What's next for Fifth Third? Well, we're gonna we got other we got three other sustainability goals we're going after. We want to reduce your water usage, waste, and so forth. So we're gonna make all that happen. Um, we want to be a leader in this area and uh, be an example for other corporations. Um, if we can do it, other corporations can do it. So part of being a leader is leading the way. Mr. Carmichael, thank you so much for being on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I love what Greg is saying because it reveals a shift in how corporations see their role in our communities and in our energy system. With this project, Fifth Third is investing millions into a rural community, creating jobs, and helping North Carolina and helping North Carolina. I love what Greg is saying because it reveals a shift in how corporations see their role in our communities and in our energy system. With this project, Fifth Third is investing millions into a rural community, creating jobs, and helping North Carolina achieve our clean energy goals and take a step forward towards a true clean energy future. It really doesn't get much better than that. Now, if you've been listening to Squeaky Clean over the past year, you know that equity, diversity, and inclusion are top of mind for NCSEA and the work we do to transition our energy system to clean energy. That's why our second episode featured Jackie Ayala, who at the time was working at the North Carolina Justice Center. My conversation with Jackie took a closer look at how our energy system creates energy burdens for low-income families and individuals, and we talked about how we can work together to create a more equitable energy system. But I chose this clip because I think it's so important that we realize the distinction between terms like equality and equity, particularly as we work to advance clean energy. Here's what Jackie had to say about that. What's the difference between equity and equality? It's a great question. Um, Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for asking it. (laughs) Equity recognizes that a level playing field doesn't exist. So because of the historic discrimination, historic racialized policy, some groups, particularly around racial lines, they're starting from a place of historic disadvantage. So when we talk about equality, we talk about providing the same supports for everybody. When we talk about equity, what we're saying is that we need to provide different supports because we're recognizing that not everybody is starting from the same place. So we're recognizing that historic disadvantage and that those people, in order to play fairly or play on that level playing field that we like to talk about, we have to offer them different, sometimes 
stronger supports. When we do that, we increase access. We're addressing those systemic barriers that exist for those groups. And that's how we truly achieve fairness, not through giving those same supports for everybody, but offering different supports and recognizing those systemic barriers in the first place. Can you give me an example of equity versus equality within the conversation of clean energy or energy burdens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we think about equality, we're thinking about low rates across the board and everybody in the residential class gets lower electricity rates, the same low electricity rate. But when we're talking about equity, we're recognizing that there's a historic barrier that means that some people, specifically people with low incomes, still face a disproportionate burden, even though that rate is supposedly low or that your bills are low across the board. So when we think about equity, that's where something like a percentage of income payment program comes in because it caps the amount of money going towards energy bills for that low income group. So they're not going to be disproportionately burdened just because they're poor. Jackie is so on point with her response. And the idea for a percentage of income payment program is the kind of idea we're going to need to seriously consider if we want to create a truly equitable energy system. Next up, we have the top leader of our state government. That's right, I was able to ask North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper about the importance of clean energy at the ribbon cutting ceremony for the Jones pre-K through 12 school in Jones County. This $47 million project resulted in the first public school in North Carolina to run on 100% clean energy and is actually slated to produce 70% more energy than it uses. That is awesome. Given Governor Cooper's leadership in issuing Executive Order 80, which established North Carolina's 40% emissions reduction goal by 2025, I knew Governor Cooper would have some great things to say about the importance of clean energy. Let's hear what our head of state had to say inside this historic school. Governor Cooper, there are currently 43,000 North Carolinians employed by clean energy. Why is clean energy important for North Carolina? Clean energy not only is going to be important in helping us fight the climate change and to keep our air and water clean, but it creates good paying jobs across North Carolina. The clean energy economy is already taking hold in our state. We're number two in the country in solar energy, and this school we're in today really sets a mark. I mean, it uses solar energy and geothermal and helps us with my executive order that I have signed to reduce greenhouse gases in North Carolina by 40% by the year 2025. So this is the kind of project that we need all across North Carolina, not only to help our planet, but to help our economy. We need to make sure that we prepare for a clean energy future. This is the way we're going to fight climate change. This is the way we're going to create a lot of jobs for our state. So it's important that as we build and as we reconstruct what we're trying to do in North Carolina, that we keep clean energy in mind. Well, you heard it from the man himself. He said that this is the kind of project that we need all across North Carolina. Can you imagine if all of our public schools ran on 100% clean energy and then even created revenue by selling excess energy back to the grid? I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. 
Okay, so you're probably thinking, who can top the governor of our state? Well, I didn't think we could until I was able to link up with someone who literally towers over Governor Cooper. I've been watching this guest ball out on national television since I was a kid. I'm talking about NBA All-Star and Raleigh's own David West. After David's illustrious career in the NBA, he decided to give back by advocating for clean energy all over the world. Here, David is talking about his work in the Obama administration to advance clean energy, as well as his work to teach kids about clean energy in Ghana. David, during the Obama administration, mm -hmm. you were an ambassador for the Minorities in Energy, mm -hmm. a group of senior level leaders committed to lending their voice to the mission of Minorities in Energy through outreach and strategic planning. Can you talk a little bit about the experience and what you gained through it? Right. So it was an experience where I was in over my head in terms <laughs> of the people that I was yeah. put alongside. Yeah. But the... What we noticed was that when you put someone like a basketball player or someone with kids can um, recognize um, and then you add or attach this message to it, um, you're able to reach them. So, for instance, we did a clinic in, in Ghana, uh, in West Africa, and, you know, the draw was basketball. So kids come to get some basketball, right? So they come going to doing basketball camp to get to meet me, had a couple other NBA guys with me. Yeah, and y'all stand out. I mean, right, y'all right, right, definitely right. stand out. So on the <laughs> we, bring, we bring the kids, uh, right, get hundreds of kids to come. But then during our, we have times where we're downtime, the kids are eating, we're giving them services. We have Jerome there. And Jerome is starting to introduce the kids to clean energy. Wow. He's starting to talk. So this is the way they connect. And so we learned that this formula it's powerful because, okay, if you tell the kids, hey, come on a Saturday to listen and sit down and be lectured to about clean energy, we're going to get like 40 kids. Yeah. But if it's come to this basketball camp, NBA players are going to be there. Okay, cool. And then there's literally three I'll be four. there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then we use that intersection. We use that opportunity to introduce them to the world of that we hope is their future, right? Wow. Um, clean energy information introducing them to uh, maybe a, a simple technology, um, introducing them to something that they could maybe tweak or change in their daily life to contribute, um, and just putting them on, you know, or making them aware that this is something that they should be thinking about. When, you know, you, you hear or you might see things in the news about, you know, people arguing over fossil fuels and things like that, where we just assume young people understand what's going on without actually explaining to them what it is. So we've, we've, we've done that, right? So we did that. We got great results. It's a formula we use. You can put this basketball guy out here, draw kids to a gym, but then you can also bring in the elements. Um, Jerome and a group of uh, other experts that work with us, you know, will be around. And when we have down sessions in downtime, you're, you're learning about renewable energy, you're learning about environment and environmental impact. And we think that's information that young people uh, you know, should have and is very valuable for them. What do you find as their responses to it? Like, why do you think that young people are supportive of clean energy? Do you find that they are easy to, to gain support? Or, you know, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, it's just introducing them to things that they may not be aware of. Um, introducing them to, you know, alternatives and the idea that there will be, you know, different types of ways to, to power your car. There are going to be different types of ways to get electricity to your home. Um, and make them aware that those things 
are a part of the future and it has a better impact in terms of what it's doing to the environment. Wow, David could have done so many different things after leaving the NBA, but we are so grateful and lucky that he chose to use his voice to advance clean energy. As a side note, David was so tall that I had to stack like five huge books under the mic just to reach him. He stayed for probably 30 minutes after the interview to hang out with us, the fans, and it is a day I will never forget. We've had so many awesome guests on Squeaky Clean, but when people ask me who my favorite guest was, one outstanding clean energy leader in North Carolina stands out. And that awesome leader is the Secretary of the Department of Environmental Quality, Michael Regan. Secretary Regan was the reason that we took Squeaky Clean out of the storage closet. But much more importantly, Secretary Regan is at the helm of the state agency that created the historic North Carolina Clean Energy Plan, which is actively setting the course for our state's clean energy future. I have to admit that I was really nervous for this interview because it was right in the middle of the very contentious debate over Duke's proposal for multi-year rate plans at the General Assembly, and I had the opportunity to ask Secretary Regan about this legislation. The next week, quotes from that interview made it into the Raleigh News and Observer, the leading paper in the Triangle, and I was psyched. Secretary Regan is truly a class act very friendly, very personable, but also has the intangible qualities of vision and inspiration that few leaders truly have. So as the final greatest hit of Squeaky Clean, here's Secretary Regan, in his own words, talking about his work to lead our state's effort to achieve a clean energy future. In October of last year, Governor Cooper signed Executive Order 80, which set some very important clean energy, climate, and storm resiliency-related goals for North Carolina by 2025, and it directed various state agencies to develop recommendations and plans and submit them to the governor by October 1st. These plans included a clean energy workforce assessment, the zero emissions vehicle plan, the motor fleet plan, and the North Carolina Clean Energy Plan. I want to take a deep dive into all of this, but can you start with a higher level overview of why Executive Order 80 was needed, and then talk about DEQ's process of developing our state's first ever clean energy plan. Absolutely. You know, I, I like to start by saying, first of all, it is an honor and a privilege to work for a governor who gets it, who understands that environmental protection and economic prosperity are not mutually exclusive, but actually go hand in hand. Mm. Given the current posture of our um, sort of national politics, the withdrawal of the United States from the Paris Accord, uh, Governor Cooper recognized very early on that it would be states who are the leaders. And so with his vision and his direction, he issued uh, Executive Order 80, which is a really excellent uh, sort of roadmap for how North Carolina can do its part in fighting climate change and climate change impacts, but also remaining nationally and globally competitive. The reality is, is that we need a framework both policy and regulatory framework that creates or incentivizes innovation, markets, technology, the natural progression that uplifts our economy while preserving our environment. So Executive Order 80 has two goals. The first is thinking through how we do that with every cabinet agency participating. Um, but it also pays special attention to transportation, to uh, commerce and the economy, and to the environment. Uh, it's a fascinating way to look at the whole of government approach 
in terms of what we can do as cabinet secretaries and agencies that does more than talk but walk the walk. If we're going to ask the corporate sector to pursue these goals, the public sector should do the same. So you alluded to it. The Clean Energy Plan was just finalized and submitted to Governor Cooper. It's over 130 pages long and details different ways North Carolina can achieve the goals in EO80 and make an equitable transition to a clean energy economy. What are some of the key takeaways from that plan? You know, the key takeaways are we were committed to the Paris Accord, the 40 percent at the 2005 level. Um, But that's a short-term goal. Governor Cooper was looking long-term. And we wanted a plan that put us um, on par with the rest of the states in the country that are leading on this issue. Some of the takeaways are there's a 70% reduction goal by 2030 of the CO2 um, emissions or the greenhouse gas emissions coming from the electricity sector with a goal of a net zero emissions level by 2050. Very aggressive, not just for North Carolina, not just for a southern state, but North Carolina is demonstrating that we have the chops to compete with and excel at reducing carbon and climate pollutants. So there's that component. Um, There are also the components of looking at once we get on track for mitigating climate pollution, how do we begin to pivot as a state to adjust to and adapt to the changing climate and the impacts that will result? The reality is, is that technology, markets, those price signals can get us where we need to be on the mitigation side and really promote, promote clean energy in a very robust way. But there are some climate change impacts that we will be living with for the foreseeable future. So as we face these more intense storms, part of Executive Order 80 that's complementary to the clean energy plan is the resiliency piece um, that we'll start to work on soon as well. Like I said, Secretary Regan is a class act, and it clearly shows. North Carolina is extremely lucky to have him leading our state's environmental agency. And if you've had the opportunity to meet him or hear him speak, I think you'll be I think you'll pretty easily see why he was my favorite guest. Okay, so I said that was the last greatest hit, but I've got one more clip for you. The last clip today is just a reminder of some of the fun that we've had on this show. When schools were shut down because of COVID-19, we knew we had to find a way to engage kids who are home from school. So I interviewed nine amazing kiddos about clean energy. And wow, they definitely knew a lot more about clean energy than I did when I was their age. It definitely got me excited about the upcoming generations of clean energy leaders. But besides that, they were just super cute. And I'm sure you'll agree. In this episode, we are interviewing kids who are home from school. And we all have one thing in common. We love clean energy. With these super smart kids leading our clean energy future, I know we're in good hands. And that brings us to the end of Squeaky Clean's Greatest Hits of Year One. Of course, an unabridged version of our Greatest Hits would have had takeaways from all of our guests, because each episode has provided some invaluable insight into North Carolina's clean energy future. I didn't get to mention all of the amazing guests we had because there were over 40 in the past year. But as we close here today, I want to give one last big thank you to everyone who has made this show happen. From my colleagues at NCSEA, to the guests who bring us this amazing content, to you, the listeners. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
You have helped me achieve this dream of mine, and together we can achieve our collective dream of an equitable, clean energy future. In this day and age, who knows what the future will hold, but if we can continue to work together with this shared energy vision that we have, I know that we'll succeed. In the meantime, I send you my best. It has been a tremendous honor to bring you the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. I had no idea if anyone would want to listen about the complex energy issues that we talk about on this show, but you proved that when passionate people come together to talk about their work to make this world a better place, magic happens and people listen. Here's to you, the listeners, and here's to the future of North Carolina's clean energy economy. Thanks as always for listening and have a great day.